Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorization number TP slash 01005. Time on this Monday, August 16. I'm Sam Edmund. If you're in Melbourne like me, it's been a very testing day indeed. Our thoughts go out to all of you. We hope you're coping okay in various other capital cities around the country as well. But regardless of where you're listening this evening, I hope the day has been somewhat kind to you. We hope to provide a nice little distraction for you over the next hour because we're about to bring you up to speed on the latest developments in the AFL and the wider world of sport. As we say each and every week, we like to think of this as your one-stop shop for the next hour and as well as a carryover if you haven't had the chance to have your say today on something from the weekend and it stayed with you or left an impression on you. The lines are open all show. one three hundred seven three six seven three six oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If the temper text takes your fancy and on Twitter we can be found at time on SEN. But let's go to where we go each and every time this week and that is straight to the bulletin board. Well, Roger Federer, he's revealed he'll undergo further knee surgery and admitted he will be out for many months in a development that has cast more doubt on the tennis great's future in the sport. Federer turned 40 earlier this month. He says this surgery gives him a quote-unquote glimmer of hope to return to the tour in shape and form. Oh, unfortunately, they told me for the medium to long term uh, to feel better, I will need to will need surgery. So I decided to do it. I'll be on crutches for for many weeks and then also uh, out of the game for many months so it's going to be difficult of course in some ways but at the same time uh, I know it's the right thing to do because I want to be healthy I want to be running around later as well again and I want to give myself um, a glimmer of hope also to return to the tour in some shape or form. Adam Scott well he's lived a PGA Tour nightmare overnight he missed a four-foot playoff putt at the Wyndham Championship in what would have been just his second title in more than five years. The event instead was won by American Kevin Kisner and Scott had never lost in extra holes in America. In fact, he was 53 of 54 during the week for putts inside five feet. Ouch. Here's the moment. For Adam Scott and his chance to end it. A little victory putt here by Adam Scott. Be shocked. Even with all the pressure. He's one guy that doesn't wear that pressure though. He's Mr. Cool. Oh! You must be joking. Have you seen a bigger moz than that? Manchester City have opened up their title defence with a 1-0 defeat to Tottenham at Hotspur Stadium. Now, Harry Kane sat out this game for Spurs after only returning to full training on Friday, but he's also trying to force through a move to City. Chance of are you watching Harry Kane rang out after this match-winning strike from his teammate Son. Son had a go! Corner. 
A dead fair fizz into the bottom corner. And in cricket, the West Indies have won a thrilling first test against Pakistan by one wicket. Kamar Roach and the number 11, Jaden Seals, put on an unbeaten 17-run partnership. In fact, it's just the 15th time in test history that a team has won by one wicket. The West Indies have won a most remarkable test victory for the teacher and his student. Kemar Roach and Jaden Seals take a bow. Indeed, it was the master and the apprentice got it done for the Windies. I tell you, great test cricket is great tension. So you know what we do now? Let's grab a jumper, shell. We were in this together for the next hour. That number again, one 736 736 You can give us a buzz on any topic you like across uh, the footy landscape or the world of sport. 0433981116 on Twitter. Uh, we can also be found at Time on SEN. So what stirred you over the weekend in sport? What angered you? What excited you and what did you love? On the show this evening, we'll also have the Coach's Corner, the best of the post-match press conferences from across the weekend. And we'll also close out our show with our regular segment, What Grinds Your Gears. You know what really grinds my gears? Get something off your chest, why don't you? You've stewed on it all Monday. Work and life's got in the way. And we'll play counsellor to whatever is grinding your gears from the weekend a little later in the show. Gee, we might go a little bit beyond the world of sport the way things are going. Let's start off with the news of the day. The pre-finals buy is officially dead. Now, I don't think if I can temperature test you this evening, there'd be too many people unhappy about that. The club certainly weren't. They gave their overwhelming uh, endorsement of it when they were, uh, I guess, discussed uh, with this plan last week. And then last night, they were formally notified by the AFL. So the league is desperate just to keep the season moving here in the face of this ever-increasing COVID threat across the country. So the buy will instead be held over with every chance of it being used later in the final series if needed. Now, clubs were told last night that this pre-finals buy could instead become something like a pre preliminary finals by in the event that the four remaining teams in the premiership race need to relocate and quarantine. It could also be used before a grand final, of course. So that strategy would suit a Perth grand final. A Perth grand final, more on that in a moment. But a buy before preliminary final weekend would mean that the two teams who win their qualifying finals will not play a game for two weeks. In fact, it'd be one game in three weeks, really, by the time they get to the line in a preliminary final. And it would mean the grand final date doesn't change. It stays locked in at the moment for September 25. AFL clubs and broadcasting manager Travis Oldie released a statement not too long ago, and it read... As we continue to navigate such uncertain times and the challenges associated with delivering matches across multiple states, we want to ensure the momentum of the season isn't compromised. Our game is not immune to the uncertainty and the challenges in the wider community. We have had to make decisions all year to mitigate risk risk, and to keep the season going. And now we ensure to ensure we deliver fans an epic and memorable month of finals. He goes on to say, if circumstances require in the lead up to the grand final, then we will have the ability to pause for a week, ensuring we deliver on our commitment to provide the two competing clubs, their members and fans, the biggest and best sporting event of the year. You'll remember the bye weekend was brought in in 2016. It came after several seasons of clubs resting players in the final round of the home and away season and raised all sorts of questions over integrity. Dion Prestia, I've been told he should escape AFL sanction. That photo appeared to show him at the Richmond pub crawl, quote unquote, on Saturday night. It was posted to Instagram and it shows the Richmond midfielder and his housemates in a group shot titled Crawling from Pub to Pub. The midfielder has explained his actions to the Richmond Footy Club and the officials there 
have stressed his innocence and relayed that information to the AFL. And Presti's management insists no breach of protocols took place, but that is all ongoing. It is said that Dion Prestia walked 500 metres from his front door to get a takeaway meal in Richmond before posing for the photo with his friends who were already down there. He was not involved in the pub crawl, we're told, that has been heavily criticised, of course, today by the Police Chief Commissioner Shane Patton. There is no suggestion Prestia breached Victoria's COVID-19 laws, but AFL players, as we know, are prohibited from attending venues where they cannot socially distance as part of the strict protocols to protect the competition. You're welcome to have your say on how that's panned out over the next hour or so. So round 23 is all ahead of us, and we're still waiting to hear what the fixture looks like for the last home and away round of the season. So you've got the top four playing each other, and you've got so many games in the bottom half of the eight with huge ramifications resting on this weekend. So firstly, with the top four, the Western Bulldogs and Port Adelaide, I'm told that'll be Friday night, Marvel, Geelong and Melbourne Saturday night. So the top four sides need the most break, or at least as, as much of a break as possible leading into the first week of finals. Obviously, there'll be no Thursday night final in week one. In fact, given the ramifications for next week, I think we will see more games on Saturday than normal in round 23. We might get a glut of games on Saturday and only a few or a couple maybe even one on the Sunday. So with those finals in mind the week after, there's going to be some six-day breaks at some stage. So Collingwood-Nesson, you would think, would be Sunday, given the Bombers played last Sunday. But that might be Saturday this week versus Collingwood. So if it's Sunday v Pies, you'd think their week one final is Sunday. But win that final, it's a six-day break leading into a Saturday night semi. We know that semi-final weekend traditionally is a Friday night and a Saturday night affair. Carlton and GWS sounding like a Saturday afternoon game. And Richmond Hawthorne Saturday afternoon afternoon game too, perhaps. I'm told Brisbane West Coast Twilight Saturday um, is the schedule for that particular game. And then we've got the remainder, Sydney Gold Coast, uh, St Kilda Fremantle, Adelaide North Melbourne to be played as well. Now, I spoke about the grand final in Perth earlier. Well, the WA Premier Mark McGowan has just spoken over there in Perth. And he says that his state is working on what he says are very strict guidelines for a Perth grand final. Now, he's gone on to say here, the Premier, that that would include no partners or families and that he would expect the players involved to be vaccinated. Now, the best of my knowledge and doing a bit of ringing around this afternoon, no AFL player has been vaccinated yet. And that might be one for the off-season and certainly... Um, that is something that hasn't taken place across the board. Now, Optus Stadium looms as a likely home of the grand final and, in fact, potentially other finals matches involving non-WA clubs as well, given the situation we find ourselves here in Victoria and particularly in Melbourne at the moment. So Mark McGowan, the Premier there, he's probably been the strictest of all the state premiers on border restrictions and COVID regulations since the start of the pandemic. He said there's been no decision made from the AFL and no agreement in place. He said they're working with the AFL on those guidelines. He said the state's WA, this is, intention was that interstate players would not be allowed to bring their partners and families with them under a very strict and tight regime. He said they would be decisions that we'll have to work on with the chief health officer, but I'd expect most footballers, in fact, all are probably vaccinated. I certainly would have thought that would have been a wise decision by the AFL, but understand our police and our health officials are working with the AFL at this point in time about what the protocols will be. 
So watch this space there. Uh, Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews, of course, said on Monday it was too early to declare whether the grand final would be played at the MCG. It is uh, contracted, of course, here until 2059, or in fact, will it take place interstate? Um, We're going to have you say on a whole variety of issues. Dean has texted in and said, play the whole final series in South Australia and Western Australia. It's a no-brainer. Dean, it follows up with, if the Hawks win against the Tigers, is that the final nail in the Tigers' coffin? That it is, Dean. There is only a very, and it is slim at that, mathematical chance that the Tigers can even uh, get through come uh, the weekend. Um, you I can have you say on uh, any number of topics. When does the pressure come for Brody Grundy? Another game, another underwhelming performance by a million-dollar ruckman. One good game a month isn't enough. I want to talk some contracts actually coming up. Um, ben King, I think we should talk about out of the Gold Coast Suns. And Daniel Talia spoke uh, on Kimbo and the Roots over in SA tonight, actually. Uh, we might play that just now. He said he's disappointed by Adelaide's decision not to offer him a contract for 2022. Of course, he's 29 years of age, had a couple of injuries this year, had knee surgery in the offseason. He had more surgery on a pretty serious foot injury in April, so he couldn't get to the start line this year. He turns 30 um, in uh, the not-too-distant future, but very confident he's got a lot of footy left in him. He was let go along with Tom Lynch there by the Crows, who were obviously um, at a stage of their evolution where they want to go young. But where would Daniel Talia fit? Let's have a listen to him on Kimbo on the Roots earlier on today. Yeah, well, uh, it's obviously been a really sort of disappointing way to to end at Adelaide. And um, I think I said earlier in the week in sort of my um, statement or – a bit on social media as well that I was pretty shattered about it. And, yeah, I just feel like I've got so much more or had so much more to give to the club. And, um, yeah, to, to be injured all year was really tough. You know, you, you didn't really get a chance to prove yourself. And um, I sort of got the feeling as the year went on that obviously I wasn't going to be there next year with sort of some of the chats behind the scenes. And, um, yeah, it, it's a hard one because I still feel like I could walk in there and, and easily be in the best 22. But... I also, at the same time, understand the club's going in a different direction. So uh, as, as a senior player who's been there 12 years and, and you sort of give your heart and soul to the club, it is really hard to sit here and now having to think about moving into state or, you know, I've got a young family with some young kids. So uh, I suppose that's part of the industry. But, you know, the I suppose, and I might be a bit old-fashioned, but, um, yeah, it's really disappointing to be leaving the club this way, that's for sure. That's Daniel Talia, a dual All-Australian, best and fairest winner in 2014 as well, leaving the Adelaide Crows. You know, the irony with him is the one club that he is suited to the most is also the one club he can't possibly go to, and that's the Western Bulldogs. Mutual dislike there too after, of course, Talia's brother Michael was investigated and eventually cleared, mind you, of passing tactical information to Daniel Talia ahead of that Adelaide Bulldogs elimination final in 2015. That was a huge story at the time that I'm sure many of you remember. So where does he go? He has to go to a right fit club. I just wonder if Essendon might uh, consider it as well, given the retirement. Paddy Ambrose, you know, Carl Hooker can play forward and back, but he's closer to the end. Michael Hurley, no guarantees on him either. You get him as a delisted free agent, uh, minimum chips. Um, I think you could see Daniel Talia at uh, Essendon. What about even Geelong? Could he get to the Cats? Daniel Talia, who um, the Cats want to keep the window open as well. Don't they have some injury concerns going into the final series with uh, Tom Stewart now looking like he's almost certainly out for the rest of the season. Sean's text in and had his say on Mark McGowan, the West Australian Premier. 
He said, mate, this bloke is dead set doing everything in his power to get the grand final taken away from his state. Vaccination requirement for all players is radical and a personal choice and discussions they need to have with doctors, surely. I think he's put the cart before the horse there to some degree. Sean, I agree. We're off and running here on uh, Time On. You're welcome to have your say right throughout the next 45 minutes. Plenty of topics to cover. And as I said, we'll finish off with what's grinding your gears at the end. one 736 736-0433-98-11-16. Plenty to come right after this. Well, Daniel Tully has played 200 AFL games. He's still in his 20s, 29 years of age, but had some shocking luck with the injury this year and couldn't play a game. And he was told last week, obviously, by the Crows that his contract would not be renewed. He spoke of his disappointment of Adelaide's decision with Kimbo on the Roach on SENSA earlier on today. And we're just wondering where he fits in the grand scheme of things. He's there for the taking. And uh, who's going to come knocking? Uh, let's go to Phil in Greenvale, who's uh, called in uh, of his thoughts on Daniel Talley. Welcome to the show, Phil. Thank you very much. How are you going? Yeah, we're going well. Yeah, I think he'll be a perfect fit for Richmond. Um, we're getting Asprey, Grimes, we're getting a few niggly injuries. Um with him coming in, we can bring players like um, Broad and uh, Blossom through the, the wing. I, I reckon it'll be perfect for us. A few texts with a similar thought there, Phil, from the Richmond fraternity saying you need uh, some help in that department, another lockdown defender. So, yep, might be a wise move. And certainly he fits the description, doesn't he, of, of going to a club at the right end of uh, of of premiership contention, the Richmond window, I think we all expect to be uh, open again next year. Good on you, Phil. Appreciate the call. Adam's out west in Fremantle. How you doing, Adam? Yeah, I'm good. Would you, do you think he's quite a smart forward? Oh, we lost Adam. You there? Yeah, can you hear? Have you got me? Gotcha. Far away. Yeah, would you describe him as quite a smart player, particularly when he goes forward? Daniel Talia? Yeah. Yeah. Can't recall ever seeing him go forward. To be to be honest with you, Adam, I think um, I think he's a, a key lockdown defender for mine. No, I thought he's played forward a bit as well. No. Okay. Um, where do you see him at the Dockers? Well, we need we still need some keys. Like we still need some big men that because we're um, we're short on those. And you know, I thought he played forward a bit as well. So that's my bad. But yeah, I was thinking because we we don't really have any. I mean, we've got Tracy, and we Tabernas. Tabernas, he's okay, but he's he's not very clever where he moves and runs. And they're the only two we've got. So, and we keep getting injuries down back as well with Pierce and Hamling. So, I'll take him. Yeah. Go on. Yeah. I was just going to say, Adam, you've had no luck with injury this year. I think you've got the pieces in place there with Pierce and Hamling, as you say. But um, gee, they've been chronically unlucky with injury. Um, at Fremantle, no doubt about that. Steve's text imports, undersized backline could do with Talia. Body is a huge issue, though. And um, plenty of other people saying also that Talia might be a good fit at the Saints. Carlisle gone, Frawley probably gone. And if rumours are true, Caulfield wants out. That's from Dave in Wallum. Uh, Blues could use a key defender. They have Jones and Wittering, and that's it. That one is from Peter. Um I think he's got plenty of good football left in him, Daniel Talia. And uh, the good bloke factor is strong. He'd be great for club culture as well. So uh, he's there for the taking, somewhat surprisingly for mine. Um, And as a delisted free agent, you would not have to give up anything to get him on your books as well. Um, I wanted to talk about the Western Bulldogs as well because the fallout from their second straight loss at the weekend has been significant. 
and particularly the manner of the defeats as well and how they're occurring and the, the much vaunted midfield that was the strength. Obviously, uh, a lot of hype about it pre-season. It lived up to the billing during the season. But, gee, they've fallen off the cliff in the last couple of weeks. As the siren sounds. Alistair Clarkson is going to depart Launceston a winner. The Hawks by 27 points, kicking the last six goals of the game. And a bit of gloss comes off the Bulldogs on the way to the finals. It'd be disappointing, you know, the expectations of, of how we can uh, we can play at our best. We didn't look anything like it, so it's largely a disappointing day for us. We put a bit of a price on this, in control of our own destiny, and I was secure top four. And we missed an opportunity. You don't often get real premiership contenders losing a couple of games in the way that they have in the lead-up to finals. So it's about momentum, isn't it, with these things, particularly with the scrapping of the pre-finals by. They had none. And to kick five goals against a depleted Hawthorne side is is really concerning. The way that their forward line is functioning, their inefficiency going there, and a few holes from some personnel has me just a little bit concerned about the Bulldogs for maybe the first time this year. Norton since round 11 has kicked 12 goals in 10 games of footy mm. and he kicked four of them in one it snuck up on you a bit and they were getting by by winning of course and now without josh bruce there um people go oh well yeah let's get english down there and martin will get back into the ruck martin hasn't played for a long time mm. and english hasn't proven himself as an absolute key forward so i know the theory but the practice might be different every now and then you come across a team who's just no good at marking time so the dogs built themselves to a position where they were waiting for the finals. And so there hasn't been consequence necessarily hanging over the recent games to give that sense of urgency, commitment and all in. Now staring them in the face is the undoing of all their good work. They miss the top four if they get beaten in all likelihood on Friday night. Not a bad theory from Jared Waitley because you do find yourself asking how has it possibly come to this for the Dogs? Now, this is the scenario for them after their first back-to-back defeats for the season. They need to beat Port Adelaide in the last round and hope that Melbourne beat the Cats at GMHBA Stadium to finish top two. But then on the other side, should they lose this game to Port Adelaide and Brisbane beat the Eagles, who are, uh, have seemingly checked out, they could fall further to fifth which is amazing, as Jared points out, given the season that they've had and how dominant they've been for large portions of the season. And the Hawthorne that beat them was missing. Jager O'Meara, James Warple from their midfield, and they took them to the cleaners at the coalface. And this is where it really hurts for the Dogs because it's been at stoppages the last two weeks. So they conceded 31 points from 16 stoppages against the Hawks. They conceded 70 points from stoppages against Essendon. 48% of Hawthorne's 64 points came from stoppages and it was 72% of the Bombers' 97 points in round 21. Given this almost overload of talent in the Dogs' engine room, it was how are they going to fit them all in for a large portion of pre-season, how can it be that stoppages have become an issue for the Dogs? And it can't be structural, not at this point of the season. And we know that Luke Beveridge is an excellent coach, but maybe it is, maybe it's just... The hunger's gone out for the time being with seemingly nothing to play for and it snuck up on them. And complacency perhaps has got the better of them in the last couple of weeks. Now they've got Alex Keith back at the weekend from a personal uh, personnel point of view. 
Um, Stefan Martin is the other one they desperately need to get back into that side. But, geez, he's missed a heck of a lot of footy. Josh Bruce is out for the remainder of the season. And as you heard from from Gary Lyon earlier, um, the form of Aaron Norton has fallen away a little bit as well. But that might be a byproduct of what is happening further up the ground and the supply that's been given to them. If they do finish fifth, that really does open them up, doesn't it? Obviously, the elimination final against Essendon, who they lost to two weeks ago, maybe even GWS. The Giants, in fact, might be the most informed team in the competition at present. They've beaten Richmond, Geelong and Essendon over the last month. But then on the other side, hasn't every contender had their moment this year where they've had a flat spot, flat week, two weeks, three weeks, where things haven't gone their way? It's been a remarkably even season. I know we do say that each and every year seemingly, but it's going to come down to four weeks. Who can play the best football over a four-week block? Essendon are coming, and I think that's what Stefan wants to talk about in Glenburn. How you doing there, Steph? Uh, g'day. Thanks heaps for having me on the show. Um, I hope you're doing well during these crazy COVID times. Well, we're trying, Steph. I hope you're going well too. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, so, yeah, obviously, I think, look, Essendon have lost about five or six games by actually under 10 points, which is really quite frustrating as an Essendon supporter. But then I look at our depths, and this is what I want to get a query on you for. So in our, well, not playing at the moment, we all know Cox, Langford, Caldwell, Tipper, Jones, Hooker, Hurley, and Reid. So that's about seven or eight players that could be in their ones. My question is, who do we kick out? Who do you kick out? Or who, <laughs> what do you mean, in this season with players coming back? Yeah, like say, so next week and maybe possibly the finals, Langford and Caldwell and Cox and Tipper and Hooker are all available. So that's six players that would have to either miss out that are excellent players or six players that, yeah, I've just really, um, I don't think Essendon's been in this situation for about 20 years. Yeah, yeah. It is amazing how it's come to be under Ben Rutten. When you go back to the pre-season, Steph, and, the state that they were in, the handover just did not work, the succession plan, um, the throwback to the past, getting the elder statesmen of the club back in and really retying the current generation with the older generation. The form of Jake Stringer has been unbelievable. 19 touches, five goals at the weekend. There's a real maturity taking place there. Look, in terms of who comes out, I mean, what a great problem for the club to have. As you say, the depth, the depth that they perhaps haven't had for, for quite some time. You know, Michael Hurley's the other one who is obviously out for the season, almost the forgotten man as well. You've got depth in that position as well with Zach Reed really coming on. There's huge wraps for him. Andy McGrath missed a large chunk of football. Dyson Epples had his issue and you mentioned the others. But, geez, what a great problem to have. And the kids might have tied a little bit as well, but that is to be expected. Um, so in terms of who comes out, well, we'll leave that to the Bombers, of course. But um, it's you wouldn't want to play them. It gets into that question doesn't a bit like GWS when they get it right you wouldn't be too cock a hoop about playing them in a sudden death final would you because um, regardless of what happens come final Steph I gather you're an Essendon supporter you have to be pretty glass half full about the way things are going I'm sure they've surprised you yeah most definitely and similar to 2016 was that the year that the doggies won it um, they came from seven so I think because there is such a close, um, it's such a close season, and we are still undecided on who's a premiership favourite. Quite possibly, a team from the outside of the top four can win the grand final this year. I'm not saying it's going to be Essendon. I'm just saying that 
you know, um, it could be Sydney, it could be GWS, it could be Brisbane, it could be the Doggies. The Doggies could win it from fifth. Yep, absolutely, Steph. No, you're right. We're not going to have the pre-finals by this year either, so we roll straight on there. And who knows, we might have teams playing one game in three weeks if the pre-preliminary final buy comes in. But that's all to play out. Appreciate your call, Steph. We'll get to a break just off the text. I have no problem with Mark McGowan taking a hard stance on vaccination, but does he realise most AFL players aren't actually eligible to be vaccinated yet? That's all to play out. Politics at stake, I tell you. Plenty more to come here as well on Time On. Sam Edmund with you. We'll be back right after this. Yes, it is. Great to have your company as well. Sam Edmund with you. The AFL released their uh, third and final match review officer findings. And all the attention was on Dom Sheed for that gut punch to Bailey Banfield in the Derby. Well, he has got away with a $3,000 sanction provided he uh, comes in with an early plea. It was uh, assessed as intentional, low impact and body contact for Michael Christian. So... Uh, 5000 as a second offence. The player can accept 3000 with an early plea. And Jacob Townsend was uh, charged with striking Nick Hind in the second quarter of that game at the weekend. And uh, Jacob Townsend can accept a $1,500 sanction with an early plea. Other news that has just come in. We've got our rising star nominee for round 22. That's Jake Bowie, Melbourne Football Club. He's forced his way in. He's played his third game in one of the best teams in the caper this season. And he had a great game against the Adelaide Crows. 18 disposals, nine of them kicks, six marks and nine handballs. He's done very well to get himself into that squad as uh, Jake Bowie. And I'm just having a closer look here. Uh, five intercepts as well for score involvement. So he's the AFL Rising Star nominee for round 22 off the text, we've spent a lot of time talking about the Western Bulldogs. Bevo is very stubborn. Surely with Bruce going out, English has to go forward. Bring in Sweet to Ruck and give Wallace a chance. I don't understand why Bevo has gone off Wallace. He's a proven footballer, but yet Bevo keeps playing guys like Mitch Hannon. If Hannon was any good, Melbourne wouldn't have let him go. That's from Adam in Caroline Springs. Gee, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Mitch Wallace at the end of the year. The Dogs have a lot of players underdone. Keith Trelaw. Dunkley, Vandermeer, they will get better with more games. Uh, that is true as well. They are coming back from a bit of a layoff and interrupted seasons, of course. Now, something else we're going to talk about was the Richmond Football Club. They have released a statement a short time ago as well, which says the Richmond Football Club, simply this, is aware that Dion Presti was out in Richmond on Saturday night. The club has made the AFL aware. The club has no further comment to make until the incident has been investigated. So pretty short, sharp stuff from the Tigers there. We did speak about it earlier. It doesn't sound as though uh, there'll be any sanction for Dion Prestia, but they want to put the cart before the horse. It sounds as though he hasn't breached any protocols, but we'll wait and see how that uh, investigation, if you can call it that, plays out. Staying uh, with Richmond, Trent Cotchin will not play the last round of the home and away season. You would have heard um, the boys on drive talking about this a little bit earlier. He's got a sprained PCL uh, in his knee, so he's going to sit out the Richmond's final game. Now, throwing forward to next year when uh, I think he plays out the final year of his contract, does Trent Cotchin stay on as captain at Richmond or does he facilitate the next captain of that football club? And should he step aside for someone else? Who should it be? Um, Just a few whispers that that might be the path that he and Richmond Footy Club go down in 2022. 
Who would captain Richmond uh, after Trent Cotchin? Would it be someone like Dylan Grimes, who is uh, on the other side of 30, just turned 30, in fact, the defender? Would he be a suitable captain? What about someone like Jack Graham, who has a bit more time on his side, is an emerging midfielder? Would you go with Jack Graham, who might have leadership qualities um, with him to take the reins. I just wonder what will happen with Trent Cochin in the off-season. Joe's text in because we did spend a bit of time talking about Daniel Talia. Daniel Talia to Geelong is a no-brainer. They are the team who pick up all the oldies, Smith, Higgins, even Ablett came back in his 30s. Wouldn't surprise me if they pick up Burgoyne when he retires. Cheeky one from Joe in Roville. Adelaide must lose this last game at all costs. If they win, they risk finishing 15th and potentially end up with pick five or six. That's from Mario in Maslin Beach looking ahead to the draft. Eddie Ford deserved a rising star nomination, surely. Two goals from seven marks, 10 score involvements. I hope he's being noticed. He does catch the eye, Eddie Ford. Provides a bit of electricity for them in that Ford 50, doesn't he, Dom? I agree. Luke's in uh, Preston. Luke, the leadership at Richmond. Who would take over from Trent Cotchin, you reckon? Look, mate, I think it's a bit of a, a bit of a smoky here, but I think he's shown a lot of leadership qualities. He's been at the club for probably six years, seven years now. Um, someone like Kane Lambert. Okay. Well, I, I sort of looked at Kane Lambert and just wondered, how's the form? Certainly, he's not on his own this year. He's sort of come back a, a bit, I would have thought, um, from his absolute best, uh, Luke. But leadership quality would be there. And they shouldn't be light on in this department, should they? When you win three of the last four flags... Shouldn't they have candidates galore? Look, you'd think so for sure, mate. Um, like I said, I've seen what he's capable of doing. Um, I don't think Richmond, by any means, has had a strong season this year. A lot of their star players really haven't delivered, but I'm pretty sure, um, you know, with with that type of pressure on him, I'm sure he can he can deliver with that for sure because he's he's shown it coming through the ranks through VFL as well, just what he's capable of doing as well. So. I think he's definitely got that in him. Good on you, Luke. Appreciate the call. And um, if I gather you're a Richmond supporter, I'm sure your boys will bounce back next year. Uh, some breaking news via Instagram. That's how it's done these days from Eddie Betts. His retirement statement, if you like. And uh, he's chosen to hang up the boots for a long time there. He was going to play on, um, subject to what was happening at Carlton, of course. He was keen to go around again. The Blues were keen for him to go around for one more but clearly a bit of water's gone under the bridge since then. And Eddie Betts has announced his retirement. He says, thanks for sticking by me through the highs and lows. I hope at some point in my career, I was able to put a smile on your face. If I did, I'm happy and my work is done here. Thank you to Carlton and Adelaide football clubs, the fans, especially the staff, coaches and players and their families and all fans of our game. To all the people who played a part in my career, it could never be done on my own. My family back home for teaching and raising me that it's always important to look out for others and be selfless in the way we go about things. We will only get better if we look after each other. You got me here. To Anna and the kids, words can't really explain the love and inspiration I get from you all. Looking forward to seeing you all come with me on the next ride. Uh, That was posted about 10 minutes ago and an absolute outpouring uh, of tributes and emotion there for Eddie Betts uh, via Instagram. What a journey it has been for Eddie Betts. Started at the Blues, started as a rookie. Pick number three, 2004 pre-season draft, um, Port Lincoln, South Australia, and it ends all these years later. What is it? 345 games, I think. 635 goals. Four times 
the winner of the goal of the year. Jeez, he kicked some crackers. Two times Carlton leading goal kicker, four times Adelaide's leading goal kicker, and three times an All-Australian as well. 2015, 2016, and 2017. And it wasn't all beer and Skittles. He had some tough times. None more so than probably the last week in a bit that no doubt would have taken its toll on him and his family. But well played, Eddie Betts. Started at the Blues, played in the grand final at Adelaide and then came full circle and fittingly, I think, finished up at the Blues where, like he was at Adelaide, he was an out-and-out fan favourite. So Eddie Betts retiring. Damien's in Frankston North. Damien, apologies. I think I might have stolen your thunder there, but you might want to pay tribute to Eddie Betts. You did. uh, How are you, Sammy? I'm going well. Good, mate. Yeah, I don't follow um, Carlton or Adelaide, but I'm a Hawthorne supporter. Follow all teams in general. But Eddie Betts, he has to be one of the, you know, sort of best small forwards um, to play the game. I mean, he's done so much as well, hasn't he? Oh, absolutely. I think I said he's played 348. He's played 349 and should play his 350th and uh, final game. I'm assuming he's going to play in round 23 despite... um, uh, that retirement statement that was posted only 10 minutes ago. But so many, when he, when he says, I hope I put a smile on your face, there wouldn't be a footy follower out there, Damien. I don't think that wouldn't have had a smile on their face from time to time watching some of those freak goals that, that Eddie Betts kicked over the years. Yeah, I can't agree more. He was just a great um, small forward. Had his pocket in Adelaide, didn't he? Yeah, that's right. Is the that Eddie right? Betts pocket. Yeah, surprised he didn't get one at the MCG. But, yeah, let's just hope that he can go out there this weekend. Hopefully Carlton can, you know, put up a fight. I mean, it's going to be a big ask, GWS. But, yeah, we'll see how they go. Huge ask, Damien. I think uh, you'll find, given uh, the state that that club is in and uh, the injury list that comes with that as well. Appreciate your call, Damien. Just going back through it, geez, he was remarkably consistent, Eddie Betts, for a small forward. One of the most difficult positions on the ground. 2016, in terms of his uh, goal production, was his best. 75 goals, 31 behinds in 2016 for the Crows. 638 goals total going into the last round. Where does he sit historically as well in terms of the game's best small forwards? He'd have to be right at the top, wouldn't he? Stephen Milne, so good for so long. Surrioli, so good as well for slightly different reasons, but... Where does Eddie Betts rank in terms of the game's great small forwards? You can welcome to have your say on that as well. We've got a little bit of time to go before we hand over to Brett Phillips, BP, uh, just warming up for the first serve out of 7 o'clock. Lee, sit tight on the road. We'll get to you. I know you've got your thoughts on Eddie Betts right after this break. Eddie Betts will change the country. That's my overriding thought, other than my overwhelming admiration for his courage. That was what I was thinking last night when I drove home from 360. Eddie Betts will change the country. It's just a question of how broadly and how long it takes him. And when he does, we'll all be the better for it. So the question this morning is, will we have a share in it? So for the second time, Eddie bared his soul last night on the issue of racism in Australia with football as a prism. It was captivating and it was devastating. Jared Waitley on Eddie Betts there, who was uh, very much ridden the AFL roller coaster on the field, off the field. But what a career, what an impact on the game. Lee's on the road. Welcome to the show there, Lethal. Yeah, g'day, Sammy. How are you, mate? We're going well here for a Monday. Going well here for a Monday. Yeah, yeah. Look, just before I say what I want to say about Eddie, I just want to say to you, Sam, for... A bloke who's changed media platforms and, and a different direction with your, your media profile, well done. You're absolutely killing it. And uh, 
Yeah, really, rap for you, bro. You're great listening. Thanks, hey, um, Too kind. On Eddie, um, there's been two blokes over this decade or decade and a bit that you tune into and that would excite you and have you out of your seat. And one was from my own team in Cyril, and uh, the other was Eddie. And you, uh, the number of times I found myself deliberately tuning into whether it be Adelaide or Carlton games for no other reason than to watch Eddie, and not necessarily about his skill, but just the way he delivered and continually with a smile on his face, continually with excitement, continually uplifting in the way he go about it. And the, the crap he had to put up with off-field to continually step out there and deliver and, and keeping in mind, deliver to us, the fans, a product that was just scintillating. Hats off to the bloke. Eddie, I know you probably won't hear this, mate, but you're an absolute champion on and off the ground. And for young Indigenous people, I can't think of anyone better than to aspire to than Eddie Bet. So, Eddie, well done, mate. You are going to be sorely missed with you already gone. And now you stepping aside, Eddie. Good on you, Lee. Beautifully said uh, from you, and I uh, agree wholeheartedly. Uh, just a legend of the game, and as you say, an amazing human as well. The Blues certainly won't be the same without him. The AFL as well. I just hope whatever he does next, I hope he stays involved in some way. His voice, as you heard from Jared, there, is important um, and is significant and can change things for the better. Um, gee whiz, I'm going to miss him trying to... Um, trying to dribble the ball through opponents' legs and um, and all that sort of stuff. He was amazing to watch in uh, a phone box, as we say. Uh, Michael texted in. He wanted me to read this out. Richmond captaincy. I think Nick Vlosten will be the next captain. Very sage choice there, Michael. He would be well and truly well-credentialed to step up and fill the void if that is the path they chose to go down. David's got the same topic in mind. He's out in Deer Park. How are you doing, Dave? Good, mate. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think that um, for the Tigers, I think obviously it's Nick Vlosson. Yep. Okay. And what? Um, yep. Mark Graham is vice captain. Jack Graham. Yep. And Cotton, yeah, and Cotton here for another year with Rewalt. They'll guide them in the right way. Yep. No, I, th- I think you're right there, David. So there's just so much. So much um, experience and leadership at that football club, at least if Trent does decide to step aside, with he and Jack signing on for another year as well, then there's well and truly enough uh, hands on deck there to ease the transition, which which I think has worked historically. So whether it be Nick Vlosten, as you say, who's um, a bit younger than Dylan Grimes, or even they go as someone as young as Jack Graham, they'll be well positioned there. When you've been that good for so long as a club, um, the culture that's set in place there, uh, makes it easy, I would have thought, for the transition. Uh, and, Dave, before we let you go, quick bounce next year for your Tigers, do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, if they do it right in the draft, I mean, like, I'm thinking that, like, you know, we had a lot of injuries. Lynch has come back, you know, like, uh, earlier. And he did all right at the start, but, you know, once a war in, he... He got a bit tired, I think. I think we're just a tired team. Yep. I think mentally as well as physically, David. No, well said. Appreciate your call. Go Tigers. Tonight, go Tigers indeed. Uh, Eddie, number one, then Daylight as the best small forward. That's from Mick, who is a Geelong supporter. We did pose the question, where does he sit all time amongst uh, the great goal sneaks small forwards that we've uh, seen at the top level? Eddie Betts, Hall of Fame, no question. What an inspiration for his people and all Australians. Uh, Sad to see him go. Eddie Betts, but um, his time had come and now the Blues move forward. And what an interesting couple of weeks 
it is going to be at the Carlton Football Club. Um, off the field, really, in terms of what happens next there. We wait and see with the coach David Teague under pressure and his assistants and uh, other football staff down there at Royal Parade in Carlton. Thanks for listening. Been an eventful show. Hope you got through the day okay. Chin up. We'll get through this. Stay safe. Look after each other. And most of all, stay tuned because Brett Phillips is up next. BP has got it locked and loaded with the first serve. We'll see you back here for Time On next Monday at 6 o'clock. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.